0: I just want to push the voice as far as it can go and hopefully lead to new ideas and wider conversations and ideas around the human voice. The voice is as old as humanity itself. What are examples of just humans doing things with their voices that have never been done before? It's gonna be a partner that develops and grows with me and we are only at the very beginning of that journey.
1: you're listening to the sound of one man using no instruments other than his voice that man is Harry Yeff who goes by the stage name Reeps One a two-time UK beatbox champion Yeff has racked up over 100 million views of his performances and has collaborated with folks like Blur's Damon Albarn and Faith No More singer Mike Patton on his own Reap's won has serenaded fans around the world with concert-length sets of his virtuosic beatboxing. Fundamentally, I wanted
0: to make people forget about their day-to-day when I performed. I'd stand in front of X number of people, uh, and you'd have several
1: thousand people dancing to my voice. At one performance, he caught the attention of Sophie Scott, a professor at University College of London, who studies the cognitive neuroscience of voices, speech, and laughter, as she later recounted in a TED talk.
0: Now in traditional phonetics, what we're told is that we use this vocal track to make sounds. We make one sound at a time, and then we kind of shape that. And Harry reaps one. He can make at least three sounds simultaneously. Now, and, and theoretically, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Nobody's told the beatboxes. And I'm wondering when we look at beatboxing, if it doesn't suggest to us a whole other role for the human voice which is as a musical instrument. That might be entirely why we have it that way. Maybe beatboxing is telling us a lot more about why we can talk at all, why our voices sound the way we do.
1: From Nokia Bell Labs, this is Future Human, a series about the human potential of technology. On this episode, we're taking a deep dive with REAPS1, chess aficionado, visual artist, world-famous beatboxer, and scientific anomaly, as he takes on his most intriguing collaboration to date, with himself. This is Episode 18, REAPS 1 meets REAPS 2. Reeps 1 is an artist-in-residence at Bell Labs. A collaboration that has yielded a recently released documentary entitled We Speak Music. This six-part series explores the future of human communication, offering insights into the voice from a scientific, cultural, technological, and artistic perspective. Using beatboxing as the ultimate exploration of its potential. I had the opportunity to get a behind the scenes or I should say behind the sounds glance from Harry as they were putting the finishing touches on the film. We began with a discussion about the origins of his craft.
0: But actually the idea of beatboxing uh, you could say originated in hip-hop, where I am part of uh, a a new movement, which is where sort of the fundamentals and the foundation of what people see as classic beatboxing was then paired with electronic production. So the mechanical aesthetic of uh, London electronic music Pairing with, with this uh, fascination I had is what led me to discover a, a whole bunch of new sounds and um, that was really my main impact on the culture is I had this whole new take on uh, the aesthetic that you can
1: achieve with the voice. So when you perform a set for an hour Do you have a set list? Are there like rhythms that you like sequence specifically or is it like Miles Davis hour-long improvisation?
0: Yeah, so it's somewhere between the two. So I have set pieces, um, so set tracks. But then in between those gaps, I am always spontaneous to the point that my team uh, can find it a little bit frustrating because as soon as I feel the room and I feel the space, uh, that's the, the beautiful thing about this medium is you can just instantly change your mind. Like you have infinite control over several musical dynamics, percussion, samples, sounds, all kinds of different um, sort of illusionary effects and it's all coming from one source and you have the same instancy of control that you have over your speaking voice and that uh, you're not picking something up, you're not pushing buttons, it's literally mind to voice. So it would be a real shame if I wasn't being spontaneous and responding to the room and sometimes I might react to something that happens in the
1: space and uh, that 's that 's fundamental to my performance whether you 're playing a synth or you 're playing a bass with like a pick, and you know if the cable 's bad or you 're not happy with the way the room sounds you 're screwed in your case, you have complete control there 's no mediation between your brain and what comes out of your mouth
0: absolutely there's um, uh, so the term uh, expert behavior uh, other people might call it flow state Um, the voice is it's ingrained in us to be masterful with our voices it's ingrained in us to be experts with our voices and I think you can ask what does that mean to be an expert with your voice what does it mean to have flow state Um, and that, that really comes down to the fact that in our day to day if you're having a conversation with someone there's this abstract collection of intentions and thoughts and it manifests as articulate expression. And we're talking now, I've not planned this and it will no. make sense. So it's when you highlight that, it's quite a strange thing. But uh, I, I, I can use that for my musical output.
1: When did you discover and start to develop your skill for this? At what age?
0: So, the very beginning was, uh, I was around 14, I played several different instruments, um, and that, uh, (laughs) I couldn't bring the instruments home, (laughs) <laughs> I had to leave them there. And uh,
1: they're at school?
0: Yeah, at school. So I, I have an obsessive focus. If I find something I love, like it's really, I really wear it. Um, it becomes a, a real part of me. And <laughs> the fact that I had to leave the instruments at home meant that uh, I, I started speaking the recitals and I was speaking the music theory. So I was speaking melody, speaking percussion. And uh, I was able to actually internalize music theory through just speaking. And that was the big, one of the first eureka moments for me is that the voice is an internalization tool. So I was able to, to not just learn the pieces, but I started thinking, oh, like writing. Oh, that would be interesting. Just these simple using normal speech to compose and write. And that really was uh, the very beginning. And the natural progression was I uh, actually remember the very moment that I thought, why do sounds? Why does a drum sound like a drum? Oh, what is that? And what started out as maybe like, duck, 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 became, (laughs) and there was this hyper-precision of actually trying to create the acoustic quality of the
1: sounds you'd be making, just because at that point, I just wanted to make music all the time. Growing up in an artistic family in London, Harry was encouraged to pursue multiple avenues, an approach he maintains to this day. So what came first for you? Was it the beatboxing, the music making as a kid, and then the visual art? Did that come sort of second, or did they develop together? They very much developed
0: in parallel. Uh, my dad's quite a prolific painter, um, and uh, I always I always had this um, back and forth between music and art. <laughs> I think one of the key things is to play your talents off of each other to keep yourself inspired i think that's a very fundamental thing um i was also uh, my three things have always been music art and chess um i didn't know that so yeah i was a tournament chess player growing up which is a massive contrast to sort of where i grew up and the environment so in the week i was like making music um and uh and performing and then on some weekends i was off like playing chess tournaments but the the thing i i was like it, a
1: tenenbaum <laughs> from the film <laughs> like, yeah, the royal tenenbaum
0: yeah, uh, yeah yeah it's a bit it's that it's a strange sort of triangulation uh, moving between those things is what really kept me inspired and uh a lot of people say that the way i compose my drawings has a similar sort of structure to my music and i'm i'm sure there is a massive connection between the
1: two Now, since 2012, you've been the lead subject in a neuroscientific study by Professor Sophie Scott, your colleague, or co-conspirator. She said something fascinating. She said, I'm not exaggerating when I say working with REAPS1 has made me totally rethink the way we think about speech. What specifically is she studying?
0: My relationship with her started when she saw me perform... And herself and another professor called Carolyn Magetan came up to me, and they said, um, "They said that I want your brain," which is quite a funny thing. Did they just see. show
1: up at a gig? Yes. So this was
0: not planned. Yeah. So spontaneous. So, yeah. So, um, uh, so Sophie Scott had a fascination with beatboxing, specifically just because her stance, and I, I don't want to talk for her, um, but I, I, I believe her stance is we have a well of expressive capability that sits within us. And there is so much focus on the semantics of what we say. It's profound, words are profound. But while I'm speaking now for the listeners, if if my voice was slightly higher or lower, you would have a completely different projection of what you think and who you think I am. Absolutely. So when we started the project, she was interested in, is my beatboxing an expert behavior? So can she actually prove that I have flow state with my beatboxing, and what does that look like?
1: Flow state. It's a term Harry Bandy's about frequently. The Croatian-born psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi popularized the concept of flow state in his 1990 book entitled Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. You know the feeling. You're in the zone. It's when you're so involved in a task that you lose yourself in it. According to Dr. Chick, sent me high. Flow involves quote, being completely involved in an activity for its own sake. The ego falls away. Time flies. Every action, movement, and thought follows inevitably from the previous one, like playing jazz. Your whole being is involved, and you're using your skills to the utmost. Unquote. Speaking about his work with Professor Scott, Harry says... She was particularly fascinated with
0: uh, a certain technique that I do, hmm. which is um, it's something that I call the inward drag. I was brought into a lab and they put something on me called a breath belt. So she puts a, a belt around my diaphragm and it just reads the movement. Um, and uh, you, that's visualized. So what you see on the projection on the screen is when I breathe in, the line goes up. and When I breathe out, the line goes down. So normally you get these very smooth hills, uh, things like it's very calm. But with this uh, this specific technique called the inward drag, um, is that
1: your specific? technique? That's
0: my technique. So it's it's my contribution to the human anatomy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have wow. one of the fastest readings of um, the uh, the human diaphragm on record. Um, so uh, normally, I give a talk and we play a clip. But I, um, I'll give a small demonstration. So hopefully, it sounds okay over the uh, the microphone and. Disclaimer this is not the most musical thing, but it has a purpose. (laughs) yeah so the inward drag is like so normally you would only get that type of flutter with a diaphragm in something like non-voluntary like laughter yeah (laughs) and what sophie mentions in the documentary is your diaphragm is actually quite a large mass it's a big thing in the body so you don't normally get that type of um sort of velocity and for me uh, at the time, it's a musical tool. You can use that as a mechanism to support and who do loads of like complicated pants. So that's like the support and but that's that specific technique It's not a, a use of the voice that's really happened before in a nutshell we found that when I performed, there was something called a hyperactive localized activity. Um, When I saw the scans of the controls, I was actually upset because what it looks like is they have all of this firing all around the mind and there's all these different aspects of process being triggered. But what that actually represents is what we all feel when we start a new skill is we're exploring There's this undefined process of shifting and changing of intention. But when you've spent, uh, the the crude number is 10,000 hours, what happens is is you achieve something called a hyperactive localized activity. So when you're speaking, as I mentioned, as a form of expert behavior, uh, they prove that my beatboxing is a form of expert behavior. That then led to the idea of um, if I'm using the same systems of speech, Sonically, the fact that we can uh, express and, and uh, do things that sort of contemporary phonetics does not think is possible just hits home the point that there is more to explore. And the ideas around the, the, the voice as an interface, it's a really fascinating subject, is what kind of impact. Uh, it has on our day-to-day lives to be more expressive with the voice and she uses me as a mechanism to show that there is more to be discovered and I'm very proud to to be that person. There's some
1: amazing footage of you sliding into the MRI and beatboxing inside (laughs) of it. Does the context of that and the, the sort of clinical nature of that, do you think that impacts your thought process and your performance? Yeah, I have a. Um,
0: I, I really don't understand a lot of people feel that you can't buy deconstructing something you you lose it's like visceral content that it can't kind of inform the artistic true sort of journey to to have such an insight for example my dad really didn't like me going into the scanner because he felt that that type of process should not be sort of understood which Mm. i understand is quite a classic sort of dad thing to say
1: well Um, artist dad
0: yeah absolutely absolutely so which is it was was quite poetic i like that but yeah it, it gave me a structure of discipline it made me realize whenever i pick up a new skill and even when I'm practicing an individual sound um, there is a process to communicating with yourself the repetition and rehearsal I know the type of effect it has on my mind And I think over time, uh, I now have a goal that that type of fluency is and being mindful, holding something in your mind and really having a clear arrow of intention, how you're practicing, being mindful of your progress, uh, knowing how that affects the mind in what you could say quite a clinical way, has just informed my artistic practice. It's really, it's impacted many other aspects of my creative uh, output. And I, I just think it's exciting. It's not it's not like explaining a joke it's it has a um a real purpose and when i share that process with people it makes sense it's and that's the purpose of this type of investigation yes i've used it to do something crazy with my voice and it's helped me progress in that way but actually there's something in that for everybody in the way when we're learning what we're working towards and and what our sort of creative process should result in or any any discipline any learning anything
1: Do you think being in that study has led to now what you're doing with Bell Labs? Is there sort of a through line and you're really taking it seriously as like an investigative research opportunity and Mm. collaboration?
0: I think one of the main subjects um, that I'm I'm really fascinating is this concept of the voice as an interface. So right now uh, we are in the age of assistance. There are so many tools out there that we use our voice to interact with. And the idea is what does it mean to express with our voice and how can that be extended to now communicate with um, not just other people but tools so there is no such thing as true ai Hmm. that's a big statement and i said it and what i mean by that is what we actually have is augmented intelligence these are all human initiated tools that are and there is no autonomous true self-fulfilling technology and i am very much willing to uh, debate that but the main point is is how can we create these uh, tools that amplify the aspects of us that we want to interact with more so how can i build a tool which allows me to interact with my creativity in a way that i i never could Um, There's a few points in the story where we really focus in on how exploring in this way can really, really help people, not just artists, but people.
1: We Speak Music culminates with Harry, inspired by his journey and the pioneering work of Nokia Bell Labs, utilizing a sophisticated deep learning artificial intelligence system that he's trained to deliver a first-of-its-kind duet. They perform in Bell Labs' anechoic chamber, which, as those of you who listen to episode two of this podcast know, is one of the quietest rooms in the world. Their piece is entitled, Second Self, Human and Machine. What I'm really fascinated by was watching you watch your AI twin start to learn how to beatbox, and, and uh, your your collaborator, CJ, with, yeah, CJ talking about how You know, they needed like rhythmic templates to make sense of the noise. But right in front of us, we're hearing the sounds start to develop. It's almost like coming out of the static, you start to hear this.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I'm still struggling to truly explain it without, uh, showing someone. But the, the, the sort of the use of a neural network to take someone's stylistic essence, um, I think the the simpler way of like displaying it is that um, you take an hour of me speaking right. and we feed it to this, we use this technique and it starts speaking as me. It's me speaking. It's not English. It does not understand English. It's these phrases and fully formed words that I have never said. That's when you get into the place that I think is extremely exciting, but because of certain narratives, people... Um, have a knee-jerk reaction to it and it's this idea of something can create as me that i am not directly involved i'm not making the decisions the exact decisions that this thing is uh, creating uh, with but i can send it in a direction and it can inspire me so this tool uh, after it generating speech i then started feeding it vocal patterns me So I fed it hours and hours of of performance. Um, And what it gave back was combinations and sounds and a a presence that I've never felt before. And I think something that's really important for people to to know is if you have a piano, you can travel across the world, there can be another piano and it sounds like a piano. Everyone's voice in many ways is like a fingerprint. It's their unique calibration of their anatomy and their structure. I have only ever experienced one of me so in what is this other and the I, the feeling of it's not another person but I'm not involved in it this in-between space is extremely exciting um I like the concept a phrase I use is, is a pet self <laughs> so <laughs> I have designed a pet self that I can interact with and be inspired by and I think that's wholesome I I think that's beautiful um I've spent my whole life trying to sound like a machine, and now a machine is trying to sound like me. He's even got a nickname for his collaborator. At the moment it's REAPS 2. In the <laughs> ne- ne- Next year we'll have REAPS 3, REAPS 4, REAPS 5. Uh, oh. It's not going away. So the way I see it is in 50 years I'm going to have a retrospective. and. Um, that really is the intention. So I'm already able to go to a concert hall and, and perform with this REAPS 2. And I want to have a sort of a traditional musical score of it. I want it to be scored when I'm interacting with this tool. But um, it's going to be a partner that develops and grows with me. Um, and we are only at the very beginning of that journey.
1: Thank you so much, Harry. really appreciate it. Mm. And uh, I'm, apologies in advance to whoever is transcribing this.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you can transcribe that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thank you, man. If you've ever wanted to see a computer achieve flow state, be sure to check out We Speak Music by heading to bell-labs.com/we-speak-music. For more information about the topics discussed today, Please check out our show notes. And if you like this episode of Future Human, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Also, feel free to leave a review at Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. Future Human is a production of Nokia Bell Labs. This episode was written and produced by me, Sandy Smalls, for Audiation.fm. It was recorded and mixed at The Loft in Bronxville, New York, by Matt Noble, who also composed the theme music with me location.